Taiwan hosted the multinational Austronesian Forum on Tuesday. Representatives from Taiwan's indigenous peoples and delegates from member nations convened in Taipei and online. This year, the one-day forum explored ways to harmonize traditional Austronesian leadership structures with modern politics. For the first time, U.S. representatives were present at the event to promote Washington's bid to join the group as an observer. Atayal people officiate a traditional blessing ceremony marking the start of the Austronesian Forum. President Tsai Ing-wen, Premier Su Jin-chang, and representatives from several ministries also took part in the event. And for the first time, representatives from the American Institute in Taiwan were also in attendance to promote Washington's bid to join the forum as an observer. This forum was established in hopes of renewing connections and expanding cooperation between Austronesian brothers and sisters, and with the hope that we can contribute Austronesian perspectives on how to build a peaceful region and world. The American Institute in Taiwan is taking part in this forum for the first time. We hope the U.S. government will officially join the Austronesian forum as an observer. President Tsai Ing-wen ordered a special budget to support the Austronesian Forum for a long time so that we can hold grand events on a regular basis. She has attached great importance to the preservation of the cultures and languages of Taiwan's indigenous peoples. The Marshall Islands was originally going to host this year's forum, but due to the pandemic and COVID travel restrictions, the location was changed to Taiwan. The event was also broadcast online, with foreign representatives joining in via video conference. This year, the forum's theme was the harmonization of traditional Austronesian leadership systems with modern politics. Attending the event in Taipei was former Palau President Thomas Remengasau, Jr. He thanked Taiwan for its assistance to Palau and for the launch of the Taiwan-Palau travel bubble. He also shared an anecdote from when President Tsai visited Palau in 2019. The last time I saw Her Excellency Chai Ing-wen, she was enjoying a soup of fruit bat and asked if there were any more surprises in store for her. But I want to relay this story because she certainly showed respect for our traditional practices and that's the key word for why we are all here today. Respect. When I was eating the soup, I didn't know it was bat soup. I still tried it because I trust President Remengasau and because I respect Palau's traditions. It's a bat soup long remembered. Tsai thanked the former president for warmly welcoming her to his country. She said that it's only through mutual trust and respect that more opportunities can be created for Austronesian peoples. The economics ministers of Taiwan and the U.S. met virtually on Tuesday. They agreed to establish a new bilateral cooperation framework called the TTIC, which stands for Technology, Trade and Investment Collaboration. This framework will strengthen the bilateral partnership in semiconductors, 5G, electric vehicles and their components. 
It will also promote Taiwanese investment in the U.S. This is the latest mechanism created to strengthen commercial ties between Taiwan and the U.S. Another is the Taiwan-U.S. Economic Prosperity Partnership Dialogue, which launched in November of last year. This year, Taiwan-U.S. trade has bucked global trends to post-positive growth. From this January to October, Taiwan-U.S. trade exceeded 85.59 billion U.S. dollars. That's an increase of 26 percent from the same period last year. The Prime Minister of the Solomon Islands has accused Taiwan of instigating anti-government protest in his country. Prime Minister Manasa Sogavari survived a no-confidence vote on Monday after weeks of the riots in the capital. Speaking after the vote, Sagavari said he would not submit to calls to resign by Taiwan's agents. He blamed Taiwan and its agents in Malaita, the Solomon Islands' most populous province. Taiwan's foreign ministry has denied involvement, saying that the unrest was caused by shortcomings in Savagar's administration. And if I am to be removed, it must be by the legal process, and it must be by members of parliament and not by calls to resign by Taiwan's agents, Mr. Speaker. Speaking at parliament, the prime minister of the Solomon Islands accused Taiwan agents of stirring riots within his country. The Solomon Islands, which switched allegiance from Taipei to Beijing in 2019, has been shaken by anti-government protests in its capital in recent weeks. On Monday, amid calls for him to step down, the prime minister survived a no-confidence vote in parliament, with 15 MPs voting in support and 32 against. Taiwan's foreign ministry denied the allegation of involvement in the unrest, saying it was caused by the prime minister. His own improper and weak governance triggered public protest. He's pinned that on Taiwan's government and on pro-democracy figures friendly with our country. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs deeply regrets and condemns the irresponsible words and actions of Prime Minister Manasseh Sogavare. The central government of the Solomon Islands must listen to the voice of the people. In 1983, the Solomon Islands and Taiwan established diplomatic ties which lasted more than 30 years. That changed after Sogavare assumed office in April 2019. In September 16th of that year, the Solomon Islands severed ties with Taiwan. Five days later, he announced his country would adhere to the One China Principle and establish formal relations with Beijing. A DPP lawmaker said Sogavare was blaming Taiwan to hide his own corruption and leadership failures. The Solomon Islands broke its commitments and turned its back on justice. It left Taiwan and established ties with China, which not only did not improve the local economy, but caused chaos in the country. So many citizens there have major grievances against their government. When they accepted a bribe to leave Taiwan, that gave rise to even more criticism. The Solomon Islands' government should really reflect on all this. Following the vote, reports have emerged that the Solomon Islands' most populous province of Malaita will seek an independence referendum. It appears that for the Pacific Island nation, the political unrest is far from quelled. Taiwan's imported case count has set a new daily high for the year. The CCC reported 21 imported cases, including five fully vaccinated Bangladeshi nationals. All five tested negative for COVID during quarantine. After completing quarantine, they lived briefly in a dorm in Taichung before being tested again this Monday, just before a work assignment. This time, they tested positive.
There are many imported cases today. There are 21, which is the most so far this year. They are eight men and 13 women. There is one case that flew in from Belize, two from the US, 10 from Indonesia, one from Vietnam, five from Singapore, and one each from Cambodia and the Philippines. They arrived in Taiwan between October 29th and December 5th. 好，我们这二十一个境外的病例，然后其中有九位是这个印尼的移工。Among our twenty-one imported cases, nine are workers from Indonesia, five are Bangladeshi crew members who flew in from Singapore. After they tested positive last night, they were moved to a hospital for isolation and treatment. At present, four of them have tested negative again, while one is still testing positive, but their CT values are relatively high, ranging in the ballpark of 29 to 33. Currently, we believe that these are old cases. These five crew members all tested negative during quarantine at the beginning and at the end. Then, after completing seven days of self-health management, they were tested again at their own expense just before a work assignment. Given their low viral load, we would say that these cases do not pose a significant threat to the community. The Taichung City Health Bureau has released a list of places visited by the crew members during self-health management. They include a PX Mart in Wuqi District and another in Qingshui District. Officials say that all cases are currently asymptomatic and that they all wore face masks out in public. We're approaching Lunar New Year and it's time to start planning family gatherings. But for business owners, it's important to bear in mind the threat of COVID. With the Omicron variant causing anxiety abroad, more outbreaks in Taiwan are a possibility. That could be a spanner in the works for New Year. At restaurants taking early bookings, contingency plans are a must. We spoke to two big establishments about their strategies to ensure customers won't be disappointed. An authentic Sichuan hot pot bubbles away. Da Hong Bao tea and Sichuan pepper flavor chunks of duck blood cake and tofu. Or how about a fish pickle hot pot? The Mahi Mahi gradually infuses everything with its rich, sweet flavor. These homemade side dishes are all one of a kind. This hot pot store has 20% extra orders in the run up to Lunar New Year, but COVID precautions are still a necessity. A pandemic is a natural disaster. No one can predict it. If the government gets into that situation and if some COVID alert is imposed, we'll definitely refund customers' deposits in full. At another well-established eatery, the receptionist is juggling endless calls. Many are for Weiya banquets, while others are for family New Year's Eve gatherings. This entire page is full with bookings for the night before New Year's Eve. A deposit is required to secure a booking. The menu includes champagne pork chops and giant shrimp tofu rolls, a house special duck, and fried jellyfish with pork loin. All of these are pricey delicacies, and if COVID flares up in Taiwan again, the show must go on. The owner has contingency plans in place. We remind the customers that if they are really unable to come out to dinner on the night, then we will deliver the food to their house or let them pick it up. For those takeaways or deliveries, the typical 10% service charge will be waived. Scholars are sounding a warning on the state of the Chinese Communist Party. At a forum hosted by the New School for Democracy, democracy activist Wang Dan said the PRC was regressing to the totalitarianism of its founding father Mao Zedong. 
Another scholar warned that economic instability within China will significantly increase the risk of an attack on Taiwan. The CCP celebrated its 100th anniversary this year. At a forum held by the Taiwan-based New School for Democracy, high-profile scholars blasted the CCP and what it's become. Under the leadership of Xi Jinping, China is severely cracking down on civil society in an attempt to return to Mao Zedong's totalitarianism. Xi Jinping is committed to re-strengthening the control that the Chinese Communist Party has over all of China to ensure that the nation is in the hands of the party and the party is in the hands of Xi. Wang Dan was a leader of the 1989 pro-democracy movement at Tiananmen Square. He says that China has since regressed to Mao Zedong's totalitarian rule. Another speaker at the forum was Chinese dissident Tsai Xia, a former professor at Central Party School who last year was expelled from the CCP. She said that cracks have formed in party unity. Some party members had hoped that China would move toward democracy, but in the end, they were disappointed. These people lament that China has no figure like Jiang Jingguo. They had hoped that China could learn something from Taiwan's democratization. The scholar said that Taiwan's eventual democratization put China's totalitarian leadership in an uncomfortable situation. Another expert said that as tensions grow between the U.S. and China, the likelihood of a Chinese attack on Taiwan will rise. Economic problems may aggravate conflict within China. In addition, relations between China and Western countries will continue deteriorating significantly. There is also a tide of political change in the U.S. that China can't control. All these circumstances put together could prompt China to seize an opening in the global geopolitical situation and launch an attack on Taiwan. The likelihood of that will increase substantively. The scholar said that every move China makes could have ramifications abroad. He warned that for Taiwan, the threat of China will only grow over time. Taiwan's consumer price index rose 2.84 percent in November, according to the latest government data. That's the greatest annual increase in nine years. And it's also the sixth time this year to inflation exceeded the 2 percent target. In November, the cost of fuel skyrocketed by 35.8 percent, driven by a rise in international crude oil prices. The cost of food also soared. Eggs went up by 11.27 percent and fruit by 24.74 percent. Inflationary uh, pressures are expected to ease in December as the cost of global crude oil goes down. Since October, crude oil prices have moved from 85 U.S. dollars a barrel to 71 U.S. dollars. National Taiwan University of Science and Technology, also known as Taiwan Tech, is taking steps to optimize its environment for English learning. It offers select courses taught entirely in English, as well as a wealth of fun activities that let students put their English to use. Its students held from all over the world, creating an international campus that's conducive to learning language learning. Good afternoon. So uh, today we will study to talk about the reactivization process. So this is a reactivization. This is Professor Li Haoye of Taiwan Tech's Department of Chemical Engineering. Today, he's leading a lab session for students from Taiwan, Pakistan, and Indonesia. I chose this all English course because I wanted to refine my English. At home, I read vocabulary books, but I don't know how to apply the words. 
through having discussions with international students, I am able to improve my spoken English and learn how to apply my vocabulary. Besides courses taught in English, Taiwan Tech also has a language center that provides a diversity of English learning opportunities. They include board games, movie nights, and other fun activities that foster the use of English. Uh, I really loved, you know, interacting with my fellow foreign students and fellow uh, local students because everyone could understand each other was very good and uh, everyone was quite friendly with each other. So I really enjoyed that experience. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. Our school's proportion of international students might be the highest in the country. They really do come here to receive an education. We now have many alumni who return to their home countries to become professors and engineers. We hope that by being in this diverse environment, our local students can receive training that's truly internationalized. This September, the Ministry of Education launched its program on bilingual education for students in college. The program helps tertiary institutions optimize their bilingual environment, expands resources for English medium instruction, and promotes inter-school cooperation. The hope is for bilingual learning to take root on campuses nationwide. As the weather drops, you might find your hands and feet get cold easily. But doctors warn the public to be on the outlook, look out for the more serious condition that can start out feeling like a cold foot. Peripheral artery disease, or PAD, is a serious problem with the blood supply to the feet. If not treated, it can have devastating consequences. But a little exercise to encourage circulation could be all you need to keep it at bay. This patient started to feel the soles of his feet were cold. They drained of color and felt numb and painful when he walked. He went to a doctor only to discover he had peripheral artery disease or PAD. Most patients are males. This demographic of PAD patients has pre-existing cardiovascular health problems. When our arteries are constricted, it causes plaque rupture, which blocks bigger arteries, such as the aorta in our thighs or even our abdomen. So thrombosis has already begun. The prevalence of PAD in Taiwan is estimated to be between 15% and 32%. Five demographics are especially vulnerable. Those aged over 50, smokers, and people with diabetes high blood pressure, blood sugar, or blood lipids. Men are also more susceptible than women. Early stage symptoms may be mild and can be mistaken for plantar fasciitis or simply coldness caused by icy weather. That can delay a trip to the doctor, with clinicians saying 30% of patients arrive in the clinic later than they should. In the very worst cases, they may resort to amputation. And even in the future, the likelihood of a serious cardiovascular incident is eight times higher than average, whether that's the brain stroke we worry about or a heart attack or cardiac failure. But you can check yourself for signs of PAD. Start by pressing down on your toenail and check if you can see the blood retreat. If it isn't smooth or the nail breaks easily, that's a warning sign. Leg hair falling off is a red flag too. The quickest checkup is to take your own pulse in your foot. Start here and bring your finger down until you reach the most prominent part of the foot. Place two fingers here and press gently. If your pulse seems unbalanced to left and right or you can't find a pulse, then the circulation may have started to deteriorate. Our blood vessels constrict more easily in cold weather. That's the time to be especially careful. You can take extra care 
of your circulation even as you get up in the morning. 头呢转向左边的时候，我们的脚膝盖往另外一边做旋转。好，做一点伸展之后呢，再旋转。Don't jump up in a rush. Stretch and give your limbs a wiggle to make sure they're warm. Then place your feet on the ground. This physical therapist suggests walking on the spot like this to get a basic workout at home. 双手握拳，好，去做一个这样踏步的动作。Cardio problems are becoming more and more common among younger demographics. Taking good care of your blood circulation is important for everyone. As the temperature drops this winter, don't forget your feet. So, fried chicken is a gigantic industry in Taiwan. Every year, we eat 200 million individual birds. Taiwanese-style chicken is an old tradition that's still popular. But American-style fried chicken is a big seller too. And with the rise of the Korean wave. Korean fried chicken has carved out a niche, and do you know the real difference between the options? Let's break it down for you. First, this chicken was marinated for six hours. Then it's dipped in a special Korean batter and dusted with flour to be deep fried. Once golden and crispy, it's glazed with a honey, sugar, and vegetable seasoning mix to create the classic Korean fried chicken. The Korean chicken is always more tender, and I think the skin is very important. It's crispy and flavorsome. Oh, Korean chicken has a richer flavor, but it's also pretty crispy. American fried chicken is more about the crispy texture. An alternative to Korean fried chicken is, of course, American-style chicken. American batter is thicker, and the dusting contains eggs and milk for extra flavor. The glaze is thicker too, producing a chunkier, crispier chicken. It's usually liberally sprinkled with salt and pepper. We batter the American chicken differently. It produces a crispier texture. The key thing with Korean fried chicken is we marinate it, and the key thing is after it's been battered, it can have this thin and crispy skin. Fried chicken is a favorite snack across Taiwan. With a mind-boggling 200 million chickens consumed here every year, the industry is worth 30 billion NT annually. No wonder the choices have expanded from Taiwan's homegrown cooking styles to include popular recipes from around the world.